For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Jack Anderson. I'm Hope Perry. I'm Francesca Block. And I'm Mark Tudici. You're listening to Daybreak. Yesterday, what started as a right-wing demonstration in Washington, D.C. while Congress counted the Electoral College votes turned into a bloody attempted coup by rioters who stormed the U.S. Capitol building. Today, we go over what happened. We discuss the reactions of legislators and executives as they sheltered in place. We consider the words of the president and president-elect, and we talk to several Princeton professors to find out where this stands in American history and where we'll be tomorrow. It's Thursday, January 7th. It was a terrifying day in the nation's capital as pro-Trump rioters stormed the Senate and House chambers in a militarized effort to stop Congress from certifying Joe Biden's electoral victory. Images flooded social media of right-wing intruders standing on the Senate's leader's dais, riding scaffolding on the outside of the building to bang on second-floor windows, and walking through hallways carrying the Confederate battle flag. Videos showed insurrectionists entering the House chambers by shattering a window, and pictures spread of some sitting in private congressional offices. Before all that, it was already a special day in Congress. A joint session of the chambers was scheduled to count and certify the votes of the Electoral College, the final ceremonial step in confirming the results of the presidential election. Some Republicans, including Ted Cruz, class of 92, planned to raise objections to some of the tallies, parroting Trump's unfounded claims of voter fraud. Though this seemed to be a baseless effort, Trump was also pushing Vice President Mike Pence to override his loss. While Pence had maintained that such a move is outside his constitutional duty, the president and his most ardent supporters kept the pressure on, leading up to a so-called Save America rally yesterday morning. The president addressed attendees at the event, closing his speech saying, quote, So we're going to, we're going to walk down Pennsylvania Avenue, I love Pennsylvania Avenue, and we're going to the Capitol, and we're going to try and give... He trailed off, but finished with, quote, The Democrats are hopeless. The Capitol building is, of course, down Pennsylvania Avenue from the White House. As a result, leaders of both parties have pointed to this address from Trump as one of the key inciting moments of the eventual riot. In the early afternoon, the march did proceed down Pennsylvania Avenue. And though it initially remained contained and nonviolent, the barricade separating rioters from the building was eventually broken. A group of armed domestic terrorists swarmed the steps of the U.S. Capitol building. Amid the Republican objection to Arizona's certification for Biden, the proceedings were halted. Members of Congress were ushered away, and all important electoral college ballots were whisked to safety by staffers. Shots were fired within the House chamber, and one woman was shot and killed. For hours, rioters stalked the halls of the U.S. Capitol in a seditious takeover. The National Guard was notably absent for the first hours of the attack on Congress, despite the direct threats placed on legislators and all those inside the Capitol. Given the Guard's early absence, many Democratic political commentators were quick to point out the stark disparity between the Guard's presence at Black Lives Matter protests over the summer and yesterday's riot. Though the Guard was eventually called in from surrounding states later in the afternoon, it's interesting to note that reports state it was Vice President Mike Pence who eventually made the decision, not Trump himself. It's unclear why this duty fell to Pence. Though the New York Times has reported that the president initially impeded efforts to deploy the National Guard. If such reports are true, by delaying the arrival of backup forces, President Trump would have been actively putting members of Congress in harm's way. Pence's role in the day was interesting. He was uncharacteristically prominent in the messaging coming from the executive branch. Questions sprouted throughout the afternoon and only grew through the evening on the possibility of him taking over the branch through the 25th Amendment which allows for the president to be replaced by majority opinion within the cabinet. We talked to Princeton politics professor Keith Whittington about what this might mean. 
I think it remains unlikely that the cabinet would want to do that, although, of course, it's, it is a fast-moving situation, and, and maybe they eventually will come to the conclusion that the president um, uh, should not continue to exercise those, those powers. But even if they did, I do think the 25th Amendment is the wrong vehicle for doing this. It's really designed to deal with um, a president who um, is not just unfit, but in fact unable. Um, it's designed to deal with a president uh, who is in a coma. Um, a president who is still walking and talking and making bad decisions is still, relative to the 25th Amendment, uh, somebody who can viably exercise the powers of the presidency. I think the correct constitutional provision to use under these circumstances is the impeachment power. You can hear our full interview with Professor Whittington on yesterday's events at www.dailyprincetonian.com or wherever you're listening to this episode. As rioters patrolled the chambers and hallways within the Capitol and covered the balconies and stairs outside, calls arose from both sides of the aisle for the president to call them off. Trump had tweeted asking for the insurrectionists to remain peaceful and support Capitol law enforcement, but it was scarcely the thoughtful, strong indictment the nation was looking for. It was the president-elect whose voice perhaps rang loudest, just after 4 p.m. In an emotional, troubled, yet aspirational address, Biden called on the president. I call on President Trump to go on national television now to fulfill his oath and defend the Constitution and demand an end to this siege. Trump's response just a few minutes later, a tweet, of course, but this time a video. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, but you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. The repetition of baseless claims of election fraud, coupled with the expression of love towards rioters, led many to see Trump's calls for peace as too weak and far from being a condemnation of violence. But what is President Trump's role in such a situation? We asked Whittington. He issued a video statement that continues to emphasize the fact that his idea that the uh, election was stolen and does very little to discourage um, even the people who are rampaging through the Capitol building to uh, stop the, what they're doing. So uh, the president has been extraordinarily unhelpful in this situation, and, and I do think he bears uh, some real responsibility for what we've seen. The president's lack of condemnation and the continued threat of violence from rioters forced congressional leaders originally intending to object to the Electoral College certification to change their mind. Senator Kelly Loeffler, who was defeated by Reverend Raphael Warnock just two days ago, was greeted with applause from around the chamber when she delivered the following reversal from her previous plans to contend Biden's victory. When I arrived in Washington this morning, I fully intended to object to the certification of the electoral votes. However, the events that have transpired today have forced me to reconsider, and I cannot now in good conscience object to the certification. Though the fate of this vote is clear, the future of the American people's faith in the core institution of this democracy remains uncertain. We as a body must turn our focus to protecting the integrity of our elections and restoring every American's faith that their, their voice and their vote matters. America is a divided country with serious differences, but it is still the greatest country on earth. There can be no disagreement that upholding democracy is the only path to preserving our republic. I yield the floor.
Nevertheless, some Republicans remained adamant in their pursuit of challenging the election's results, including the leaders of the objection charge, Senators Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley. When Congress resumed its session in the late evening, six senators and 120 representatives maintained their objection to the certification of votes in Arizona. Though objections in other states remain at the time of recording, they are unlikely to have any impact. While rioters protested Joe Biden's victory in Washington, we finally reached an end of the 2020 election cycle. As of Wednesday afternoon, every major network is projecting that Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff have won their Senate races in Georgia. With those two victories, the Democrats will control 50 seats in the U.S. Senate. With Kamala Harris casting the tie-breaking vote as vice president, the Democrats will take back the majority once Ossoff and Warnock are sworn in. Despite the Democrats' thin practical majority, Keith Whittington still believes the upcoming term could be a challenge and compromise. Um, they will be able to control the voting agenda more than they otherwise would have, and that will be helpful in various ways. It will be helpful for some nomination and confirmation battles. But in terms of actually making legislation, uh, I think the Biden administration will still have to be trying to look for how do you carve out a centrist coalition um, that will be supportive of uh, more modest reforms. And that's pr probably just as true uh, today as it looked like it was going to be true a month ago. It's been a frightening day and a historic one, too. We talked to Princeton's Sean Wilentz, a history professor and a scholar of early American democracy, who put the day's events in stern historical comparison. And what you saw today was an attack on the American government by Americans. This is the worst day for American democracy. January, what is today? January 6th, 2021, was the worst day in the history of American democracy since April 12th, 1861, when, when the Confederates fired on Fort Sumter. There has likely never been a Confederate flag within the Capitol before yesterday. The building hasn't been forcibly breached since the War of 1812. The building hasn't gone into a full lockdown since 9-11. It was an act of domestic terrorism, and it will likely go down as one of the notorious days of American history. The mob might even have support. A rapid poll conducted by YouGov suggested that 45% of Republicans supported the terror attack. The deep-running divides made so stark by the despicable attack on the Capitol yesterday will be hard to fix. But as Congress persisted in doing its constitutional duty late last night, so too will the nation move forward with a new understanding of the situation we face. That's all for Daybreak Today. Today's episode was produced under the 145th Managing Board of The Prince. For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Jack Anderson. I'm Hope Perry. I'm Francesca Block. And I'm Mark Didici. Have a wonderful day.